to the Lord and open His Word to refresh ourselves, I'm reminded of God's Word to us in Isaiah chapter 55, when He says He invites us in the first five or six verses to come and to hear and to be refreshed and to be blessed by the preaching and hearing of His Word. The Lord tells us in Isaiah 55, Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come and buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on that which is not bread, and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me. And eat what is good, and your soul will delight. Give ear and come to me, hear me, that your soul may live. That, that, can you hear the Lord calling us unto himself, saying, come, come to me. That's not our sermon today. Our sermon is from the book of Matthew chapter 16. So if you'll turn with me to that, let's read it together. This is God's Word, starting with verse 13 from chapter 16. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, Others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked them, the disciples, who do you say I am? Simon Peter said, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, no longer Simon. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is God's most holy word. Heaven's open to those who are truly repentant and believe, but it is closed to those who demonstrate that their profession of faith is false and continue to show their impenitence, meaning no regard for their sin, no remorse. The Heidelberg Catechism, question number 84, asks one question. How is the kingdom of heaven open and shut by the preaching of the Holy Gospel? By us teaching, by us sharing the gospel with other people. How does that affect the kingdom? This is what Christ is talking about in Matthew chapter 16, when He gives to His disciples the keys to the kingdom. The answer in the Heidelberg Catechism is this, Thus, when according to the command of Christ, it is declared and publicly testified to all and every believer 
that whenever they receive the promise of the gospel by a true faith, all their sins are really forgiven them of God for the sake of Christ's merits. And on the contrary, when it is declared the gospel and testified to all unbelievers and such as do not sincerely repent, that they stand exposed to the wrath of God. Eternal condemnation, so long as they are unconverted, according to which testimony of the gospel God will judge them, both in this and in the life to come. This is the whole counsel of God, blessing and judgment. There's no outline in your bulletin, uh, but let me tell you where I'm going today. Number one, what is the kingdom of heaven? Number two, sin is our problem. Grace through faith is the answer. And number three, we all get to lead people to Christ. Who gets to proclaim the gospel to a lost and a confused and hurting world? Is it just Pastor Nathan? Or is it the church officers, elders, and deacons? Or nursery workers? Who gets to proclaim the gospel? I'd like for all of us this morning to be open to the call that, from Jesus that's been given. Actually in Matthew chapter 16 here. This passage, we're looking at the core issue of discipleship and evangelism. That core issue is the identity of Christ. Who is He? Whatever else Jesus teaches, if the disciples don't get this right, then nothing else matters. The bedrock of Jesus' teaching is based on who He is, the very Son of God and our Messiah, He who died for our sins, for the joy set before Him went to the cross when He saw each of our faces. Jesus makes it clear to Peter, Peter does get the right answer. He makes it clear to him that he didn't come up with this on his own. Namely, that this is a work of God in the mind of Peter and not a work of man. Jesus calls Peter blessed because God's given him this insight when Peter declared, you're the son of the living God, the Messiah. And Jesus gave this promise in verse 19 where I want to focus today. He said to all of his disciples, and he says to us today, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. He gives that to all believers. We, the body of Christ, the church, this body of Christ here at Hope Community, have been given the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Ready for a fun ride? As such, we collectively and individually have been given the keys to encourage each other in Christ and to bring the gospel of Jesus to those who don't know Him yet. I have three points here. Number one, we have the power of Jesus to do this. Namely, He's given us His name. He gave us His blood and through His own resurrection for our redemption, He gives us authority on earth. Matthew, he backs us up. He's got your six o'clock position. Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. Jesus came to them, the eleven disciples at that point, and said, All authority in heaven and in earth has been given to me. 
Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, here's the promise, I am with you always to the very end of the age. We've got his power to go forward. This power is to bind demons and unholy influences and to loose all the blessings of God. And what we do is we preach the gospel. We teach the gospel. We share the gospel with our friends and our neighbors, friends at work, neighborhoods. Whatever, whenever we speak of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, we, we need to remember a few things. First, Jesus is the king of that kingdom. In fact, we know him as the king of all kings. Second, his kingdom will ultimately be populated by all his chosen people who have ever lived in this God-created world. Third, the kingdom of Jesus has rules of operation and conduct, which our Lord gave us in order that we might increasingly glorify him. And finally, the kingdom of Jesus is the ultimate power in the universe, and it is forever. The kingdom's ever-expanding. Like a tiny mustard seed that grows into a large plant, the kingdom of God will continue to intrude upon this world. One day it will exercise total control over all of God's creation, thereby giving all glory to our triune God. And we get to be a part of spreading the gospel. We have been blessed so that we might be a blessing to others. The disciples of Christ in Matthew 16 lived at a time when his kingdom was being established on earth. Jesus had already declared that individual repentance and belief were necessary for entrance into the kingdom. In Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15... We're told, now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Here in Jesus' first exhortation in Mark, the book of Mark, this idea begins of the kingdom being near and appearing. Also, I want to focus in a little bit and look at the relationship between the kingdom of God and biblical concepts related to salvation. Number one, the kingdom is near. It's close at hand. Number two, Jesus calls his listeners to enter the kingdom, having been saved by his finished work on the cross, and calling them to exercise personal repentance and faith. And we bring nothing to the table except our brokenness. Christ did it all. And the kingdom involves the gospel, the good news regarding Christ. The gospel, the kingdom of God, repentance, belief, and proclaiming Christ all interact in Mark chapter 1, as we read from verses 14 and 15. Repentance and faith are indispensable to enter the kingdom, and it's all a gift. We're to live in repentance and faith. Both of them are gifts from God. To be a part of the kingdom of God and to live in a life-changing obedience and gratitude 
and to be a light for Christ unto all the world. This starts with our family members. It starts with our friends who don't know Christ yet. And it goes to all the nations. Paul also affirmed that proclaiming the gospel is important for people to be saved. That is, for them to enter the kingdom of God. He wrote this from Romans chapter 10, verses 13 and 14. Paul tells us, For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. How then shall they call on him who they have not believed in? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without someone preaching to them? So sharing the gospel, something that we get to do, something that we, the church, are privileged to do, is a key aspect of kingdom activity. It's the mode that God uses to reveal information about His kingdom of eternal life and glory for all repentant sinners. There are important issues pertaining to this passage that we read, today's passage in Matthew chapter 16. These issues originally brought to us by the Roman Catholic Church who declares that only Peter received Christ's gift of the keys of the kingdom. Let me declare to you on the, on, that with these words from verse 18, on this rock I will build my church, refers not to the person of Peter, but to his divinely inspired confession of faith. That is, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Furthermore, the keys of the kingdom which Jesus gives to Peter and the disciples are not just for them individually as a reward for Peter's confession of faith, but they're given to all of us as well. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 and 20 says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of His household built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus Himself as the chief cornerstone on that church is built. And the gates of hell will not stand against it on Christ the cornerstone. This difference of interpretation, what the Catholic Church says and what we say as Reformed Evangelical people, called by God to be a part of His kingdom, is that Christ says to Peter next, and the disciples, the exercise of these kingdom, of these keys. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And all we do is share the gospel. But it's like a two-edged sword. There can be no doubt that this promise applies to all of the disciples and to each of us, for he says this again in Matthew chapter 18, verse 18. To you is given the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and that you is a plural you. Paul's message, Christ's words, are for us today. 
In Matthew 16, today's verse, Jesus is further instructing his disciples about the nature of his kingdom, which he's already declared to be near from Mark chapter 1, verse 15. In verse 19 of Matthew 16, he tells his disciples that as he is giving them the keys of the kingdom, it leads us to try to figure out when they were given these keys. John chapter 20, verses 19 to 23, help us in trying to answer the question of when the keys of the kingdom were given by Christ to his disciples. In these verses, we read that at evening on the day of his resurrection, Jesus appeared in the midst of his disciples, and he said to them, Peace be to you. As the Father has sent me, I am also sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. After that, Jesus went on to say, If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. And we preach the gospel to do this. That authority conveyed to the apostles is the same power of the keys, binding and loosing, in Matthew chapter 16. It's my conviction that to teach and to preach the gospel of the kingdom with the unction, the power of the Holy Spirit, is for us all. In Matthew 16 and in John chapter 20, it's the same result for us. What is done by the disciples on earth, and include us in that in terms of binding and loosing, is also done by the Father in heaven. The power to exercise these keys to the kingdom is conveyed with the giving of the Holy Spirit. That's when we have the Holy Spirit in us as believers. What a joy. Amen. For anyone to use these keys properly, he has to have the Holy Spirit. The power of the keys is a spiritual power. Ministers, Pastor Nathan, elders, deacons, and all of us do lots of world-worthy things in our service to the community around us. We feed the hungry. We do this in the power of the Holy Spirit. We feed the hungry. We support just laws. We tend to the sick. We clothe the naked. We care and show our love to the least of these in our communities. We're entrusted with the power of the, holy, of the keys. And never forget that God called us to do spiritual work as well. We're to bring other people to Christ. To tell them who He is. We're to encourage each other because we're family. Brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. And we are not called to elevate any opportunities for service above that of sharing the gospel with others. I love to hear brothers and sisters in Christ share the gospel with me. It's refreshing each time I hear it. Sharing the gospel for the salvation of the elect, those chosen by God, is our calling. It's even our highest calling. When we focus on the spiritual power of the gospel, and when we share it with others, it leads us to some questions. We're to do it. 
Okay, Rich, how are we to do this? What model are we to follow? And how are we to do it? I'm not so smart. I don't understand theology deeply, but I know I have the gospel. I know that Jesus died for me and he died for you and he's given and he's blessed me beyond measure. And with that blessing that I have, I need to be, I want to be, I get to be a blessing with others. Jesus said in John chapter 20, verse 21, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. How did the Father send Christ? What was his mission? The Father sent the Son to give life. In John chapter 10, verse 10, a familiar verse, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come, Jesus says, that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. In the Greek, that's both a future and a present tense, to have life abundantly. This abundant life that Jesus gives us to preach not only comes by abiding in and teaching and proclaiming the word, but there's joy in it for us. You can go to people and encourage them in the gospel, and I promise you that you will be encouraged by it. The disciples were to exercise the keys of the kingdom by simply proclaiming the word as Christ did. We are Christ's ministers today. That's it. That's us, brothers and sisters. We're to wield the sword of the Spirit, which is His Word. Ephesians 6, 17 tells us, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Before His death, Christ told His disciples that He would ask the Father to send another helper. And that helper, the Holy Spirit, would teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. Christ's promises centered on the work of the Holy Spirit revealed to the apostles and encouraged them. And enabled by that same Holy Spirit, they proclaimed the gospel to reveal the path to life through Christ. It's the same for each one of us. In order for our proclamation of the gospel of the kingdom of Christ to be effective, to open the gates of hell, heaven, the kingdom of heaven for lost people, it must have, and is no good without it, the word of God. If one looks at Psalm 119, we can easily see that the word of God is absolutely essential to our salvation. Isaiah 55, and he invites us to hear it, to be refreshed, to be strengthened, and to share it. Psalm 119, verse 25 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. In verse 41, the mercies of God come according to your word. And in verse 11 of Psalm 119, we hide that message in our own hearts so that we might not sin against him. If proclaiming God's goodness and Christ's finished work on the cross 
is to lead to repentance and faith which are indispensable for entrance into God's kingdom, then we have to tell of the person of our Savior, of His finished work, of Jesus Christ, all the while calling the lost to repent and to believe in His name. Proclaiming the gospel about Jesus is the vehicle that God uses to bring His elect into glory giving them the knowledge of the Scriptures, and they might enter into a living relationship with God our King, who is already installed on Zion, God's holy hill. We're called to proclaim this ministry. It's a reconciliation in Christ to those who are enslaved by sin. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 talks all about that. Mercy and grace and election, free pardon, sin, the wrath of God, hell, the substitutionary atonement, redemption, salvation by the death of the divine Son. All of these are not merely abstract theological terms. They're the words in the constellation of eternal life and eternal hope. Brothers and sisters in Christ here at Hope Community, remember that the gospel message that you proclaim is not an exercise in rhetoric, but it's the words of eternal life in Christ Jesus. Everyone enslaved by sin, I was there. And with that sin, complete eternal separation from God. And yet I was given, when hearing the word, when hearing the gospel, was called by Him to believe and to repent, both of which are a gift. We're freely justified by His grace through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 3, verse 24 tells us this, But if a sinner hears the gospel, and he hears of Christ's liberty, and they remain in sin, bound by their sins, they cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. This is where the gospel is a sharp sword. By now it should be apparent if the case is not, let me tell it to you again, the power of the keys does not reside in us, in men and women. It's the sword of the Spirit of God, the word of life. We speak those words, but they are not ours. God is calling people to, and He's calling us to proclaim this word as an instrument of calling them unto Himself. Let me uh, conclude by restating the practical usefulness of this gospel of Jesus as we preach it and teach it. I don't think I can emphasize enough the importance of proclaiming the gospel in light of its current disfavor within our country, and the world at large. It always amazes me that our holy, wrathful God warns men and women through preaching and proclaiming of the gospel to repent and live. And yet our world is tone deaf. Remember 2 Peter verse three, chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. However, 
not all will embrace is grace and repent. Not up to me. God knows who his elect are. God calls me and each one of you to share his word, the beauty, the sweet fragrance of Christ with everybody. Yet no one who hears the gospel and rejects it can ever say, hey, I was never given a chance. I was never warned. I, never had not, I wasn't given the opportunity to receive life in the kingdom. Every time each of us, a faithful saint, preaches or proclaims about Christ and redemption and repentance and faith, the keys of the kingdom are being employed. As we do this, the keys of the kingdom are being employed, and all who hear it are encouraged to choose life in Christ. God told his people a long time ago in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 19 and 20, I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, for He is your life. Here's the seriousness of proclaiming the gospel today. Eternal life or death is at stake. What a tremendous joy it is for sinners when they truly repent and believe. The gospel sets them free. It's the devil's bondage that they're being freed from. And instead of bondage, they're given life, life eternal in Christ Jesus. Do you believe in Christ? Hallelujah. Lots of heads going like this. I believe. It's eternal joy for me. Your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. Join me and worship God's Christ in fellowship with his people and share the gospel of good news. We're given the opportunity to do that within our own families, with our next door neighbors, with people in our community, and even unto all the world, like Slovakia. Can you see that Christ, through his finished work on the cross, his bodily resurrection, and his ascension into heaven has proven the divine truth that Christ, and it's in your bulletin today, that Christ told us in Matthew 28, verse 18, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now go. Can you see that Christ himself has given us the keys to his kingdom? Powered and emboldened by the Holy Spirit, we're given the strength and the power and the courage to share the gospel with others, and they desperately need to hear it. I'm a they. I desperately need to hear it every day. And we do this not because we have to, but because we get to. Only through God's grace do we get to, and that church is a privilege. Romans chapter 10, verses 8 to 10, tells us, The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart 
that God raised him from the dead, you will be, you are saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and you are saved. Don't keep it to yourself. Let's share this with other people. In conclusion, how awesome it is that we've been given the gift of grace through faith and that we've been given the keys to the kingdom. What a privilege. So that we're empowered to tell others. Too much has been given. Um, the kingdom of heaven to each of you. Much is required. It's not that we have to. It's that we get to share this with other people. Are you ready to share the, the joy of Christ with others? It's both a privilege and an opportunity for you every day. Don't put it off till tomorrow or to next year. Once I've read one more book, share the gospel with people today. I encourage you to do that. I challenge myself and you to do that with other people. In it is eternal joy. Let's pray. Father, you're mighty and wonderful. In your love for us, you're overwhelming. Father, that you care for us and you give us mercy to live according to your strength every day. And you grant us this privilege of being in Christ so that we might share him with others. Father, may these words cause me to be different, to be more like Christ. And may we all be encouraged by the hearing of your word today. In Christ's name, amen.